0: You are listening to Worshiping God God's Way. My name is Steve Erspringer, and this is a podcast that strictly is about worshiping in today's society. What we've done in the past several weeks, we've completed 20 episodes that were based on the book itself. And if you want a copy of that book, you can send an email to worshipinggodgodsway at gmail.com and I will send you a free copy. I'm not building a mailing list. I don't have one of those, but I will send you a book if you'd like to have one. We've also finished 10 episodes, which we were calling Worship Stories, because that makes up a portion of this book where we go through each book of the Bible and we look at people who worshiped God and why they did it. And there is a story, at least one or two, in every book of the Bible. So we're going to go through that. It takes some time, but right now in this podcast, I'm going to take a little intermission. I don't want to talk about any more scriptures. I don't want to reference back and forth. I just want to talk about worship itself, that very word, what it really means. Worship is a word that's misunderstood. It's underestimated. It's overlooked, and in some places it's victimized. At the beginning, in the expanse of the heavens, a shockwave flooded the galaxies as every created thing in that realm bowed their faces in God's view. God, the one and only master designer. And today they are still doing that there in those heavenly places. People are worshiping God right now. But in that heavenly crowd of millions... One raised its head in defiance, and the rebellion began. Worship was at the heart of creation's first mutiny. You know, worship caused a ripple in deep time-space, and it's still felt today. You know, thousands of years before Israel finds its way out of Egypt, the people groups in the ancient Mideast are led to bow before godless gods. One of them being Baal, the instigator of spiritual crime, who eventually becomes Satan. You know, nations rise and nations fall, and worship is the tipping point. The word worship brings challenge and consequence. Ask Jesus. He'll tell you what his Father says about worship. And Jesus is the only one who can restore humanity so they can worship. In the beginning, there was a worshiped creator. When the time ends and they come together and everything resolves and God meets the planet, that creator, King Jesus, will be worshiped again by everybody. That's the story. And if you wanted to break it down in four words, you would say it, follow Jesus, worship God. That's what Paul was saying as he walked through the streets of all those cities and ministered to all those different people in churches and synagogues. But I've asked myself this question a lot. I mean, that's how this whole thing got started. Why should a mother raising three kids or a retired businessman lounging in his backyard or say a pastor leading a congregation, or a prophet isolated in his living room summing up social ills, or a single parent working two jobs, even a college student preparing for a future? Why would they consider worshiping God God's way? Especially if you know the definition. And the definition for worship is basically, in Greek, is going to be bowing down as a dog licks a master's hands, loving him and waiting at his feet like, like Mary did. It seems almost foreign when you think about it, a past ancient culture idiom, just an expression perhaps, or not more than reality, just some weird thought. You know, it's far from modern, that's for sure. Truth is, bowing down is not part of our everyday lifestyle, nor has it been modeled for us in this day and age. You know, it's not like other religions in other parts of the world where they they model what worship is. If you go to certain countries in a taxi cab, they'll pull over and someone will jump out and they'll they'll bow and they'll worship a god for a few minutes and they'll jump back in and drive away. That's not the culture here where, where I live or where you live, perhaps. So why is that? Why is it a part of Christianity if it's not part of our culture? Is it a Jewish action, an expression just passed on from somewhere in the first century or the century before Jesus or the century before that? You know, the cultural statement should answer some of these questions. But is the word worship too ancient? Have we heard it too many times and perhaps lost a taste for it? Could it be redundantly overused like vitamin water or CrossFit? I mean, the truth is life goes on without it. You know, at first it was required once, but is it a requisite now? We know what worship was when we read about it in the Old Testament and those verses that we've remembered, but what about now? Now that the New Testament teaches a new covenant, an unseen temple with unseen encounters of, say, the theophany of the Holy Spirit, with the unseen God, is there a new covenant of unseen worship, something different than the first commandment? Is that possible? Has the commandment to bow and worship been altered since the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? leading us into a new and final place, the new heaven and earth promise to come. Does that change the commandment of bowing down before Jesus? You know, I don't want to be too philosophical because philosophy is a part of life and it leads to many different things in different directions, but it takes a long time to get through philosophy, a lot of reading. I don't want to be too theological because Theology is the same thing, it's a lot of work, a lot of time spent, gets too complicated sometimes, but theology builds the foundation for religious beliefs, so that's needed as well. Jesus calls it a straight and narrow way, a path of righteousness. How does that impact societies who are wanting or talk about being worshipers? Again, how much does a person care about this like the pastor of a small unknown church somewhere or a prophet isolated in his living room you know what do they think about actually bowing down and worshiping god you know during most of the meetings that i go to when the music is over and the last note sounds out normally worship ends you know that is what's implied anyway in some places there is an announcement on a screen that says Worship will begin in five four three two one blast off. And then it starts with a big bang. Some minutes later it ends somberly with a whispering or praying, but there's no sign popping up that says worship is over in five four three two one. People say no, that's not how it works, but however, We all watch the timer counting down like a New Year's Eve ball dropping, signaling the final moment of something great. But if worship is not confined to music and it continues after the final note, what projects it forward? The idea, or is it an attitude? Is it a thought of humility? Now I'm getting a little philosophical, but if worship was something more than the definition of itself, the word that it's contained in, if it could float along, say, with a person as they walk through the marketplace or they're running down the beach throwing a frisbee. If that's so, then people could be right. Bowing down could be metaphysical, it could be a philosophy or a hard to understand theology understood by just a few people. But in our society today, people care The word worship sparks interest. They might not want to talk about it all the time, but they have feelings about it, and this could be why. The association with worship provides people a place of belonging, a worship gathering. The composer Beethoven in 1808, he writes a symphony, the Sixth Symphony. It's called the Pastoral Symphony. And together with the Fifth Symphony, played back-to-back. It's four hours long. It's a long concert. One movement is titled The Gathering of the People. Gathering is a speciality bringing popularity that draws humans together. Even if the weather is harsh and it separates them like in the Beethoven's Sixth Symphony. That's what happened. The storm comes and the people run away. When the sun peaks through the clouds, they come back together again. It's hard not to. But it's like a brand name. You can say, perhaps people are just drawn to it because of the name, because of the brand name. That's what's happening to us today in society. I talked to a pastor and his wife a while back, but they say worship wasn't their thing. They would tell me, no, that's not what we do here. We teach God's word because that's our calling. So they didn't pay attention to the worship trends of today they couldn't keep up with it. Their church was small, they had little talent, they didn't have very many people who could play. It takes a lot of talent to have a good worship service these days and a lot of voltage. But is worship something you must keep up with? Do you have to stay current to be successful, to build a following, to cement a strong church persona? What happens if you don't have the capability or people power. Would you worry that the people would rather go somewhere else to attend a meeting place that has more to offer? Yeah, you probably would. See, most people say worship is not one thing, it's lots of things. We've mentioned that before. Picking the things that make us comfortable translates into our personal worship style, a style of choice, like clothing or cars, but more serious. Are there worship styles? Country, soul, R&B, classic rock? People will tell you that's true. But if worship was defined by a song, then that would be true. But what is the big deal then? Why read or listen to worshiping God God's way? One, if people continue following today's trends, saying everything we do is worship, 50 years from today or longer, society will have changed and so will the ideas of worship. What will worship look like? Will God still be current or socially correct? That's a little sarcasm I'm throwing in there. Where we live and the time we live in, it's a fast-moving stream of advancing historical events. Everyone is looking for revival to break out and they want it done quickly. Today's pace in everyday life has escalated. Has the rate of speed changed the elements of worship? Has worshiped adopted society's norms? Is it subject to time frames? When we start talking like this, you, you can see how simple worshiping God really is. And it's really not any of these things. It's simply finding the time and place to bow at the feet of Jesus, the King, Creator, the Messiah. Now, it all depends by whose standards you go by. The mom with the three kids at home, the retired man lounging in his backyard. They have different standards, history, and different experiences. Humanity's ideals, which include all religious groups, can dictate what standards people live by. What standards should we live by? What century are we in? Should we live in another century? You know you know what I'm gonna say. You know, We're proud to say God's standards. We live by God's standards. That's like saying I'm proud to be an American. When it comes to worship, a Jesus follower should be able to tell you all about the standards of worship. I am proposing we worship God God's way. That's what all this stuff is about. To do that, many of us need to readjust, acknowledge that our socially intrinsic norms are not God norms. Worship is not subject to today's socially accepted standards, and it's not part of this world or this century.